Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, December 9th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Oh, man, that space is yesterday that you hosted. That was uh, that was interesting. A lot of fun, but very interesting. We're going to get right into uh, what we talked about yesterday on your spaces. NIL, how it's affecting Ohio State. How have they fallen behind? And can they rectify it? Let's just get into that first. By the way, when Gene Smith released that statement yesterday, Jonah, you knew something was serious. Like you knew something that something you knew things were bad when Gene Smith released that statement yesterday. Yeah, it's uh it was it was something that was very eye-opening, Dave, when you have one of the most powerful athletic directors in all of college football to say, hey, you know, this is where you guys can go um to donate. Before we get started, Dave, I th- we definitely got to clear some things up because there seems to be a lot of misconception on what you can and can't do when it comes to this. And a lot of people are confused. You know, the first first ordeal is the NCAA is so far behind on this. They have done everyone a disservice when it comes to this. So when you talk about Ohio State, what they can and can't do, I've seen a lot of people say, Ohio State's wealthy. Why don't they just, you know, donate or pay the players uh, or contribute to the foundation themselves? They're not allowed to do that. The NCAA will not allow them. They can't take, you know, ticket sales revenue or they can't take, you know, sales from concession stands or lower ticket prices. A lot of, you know, different things that are out there. They can't do it. This is totally separate from the university. Gene can now push it. The NCAA has allowed a little bit more leeway to where schools can help, you know, kind of direct people to the certain foundations and the collectors to help, you know, generate some interest but the school themselves cannot do it. Number two, a lot of people says, how come the big mega boosters don't help here? The thing, the problem that you have to you know, realize is the athletic department relies heavily on those mega boosters. When you drive around Columbus, you see all of these buildings being built. A lot of that is from the big donor boosters contributing there. Ohio State has one of the largest athletic, if not the largest athletic department in in the country with all of the sports, the Olympic sports, that money to fund those sports is coming from uh, a lot of times private donations, which are the boosters. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Now let's talk about that crazy spaces (laughs) yesterday, Dave. I mean, there's so much to unpack. We went for about two hours. Um, You know, there's a lot of a lot of things that that came out of there that I had no idea for. The, I knew Ohio State was struggling. I had several people reach out to me to say, hey, can you help here? Like we are falling way behind. You and I had off the record conversations about how far behind they are. I was off the mark. I thought Ohio State, you know, was probably around the six to seven million dollar range because Ryan Day had asked for 13. No, <laughs> Half that. Have that. They're they're only at three million dollars. And 
you know, I've talked to several people, you know, within the industry as well as, you know, Ohio State beat reporters who are tapped into recruits and stuff and other foundations. And we even had the Florida Gator CEO uh, who runs their collective to join the spaces to help give Brian uh, some tips and Ohio State fans some tips on how to do it. Basically, the SEC schools, they're around 30 million. We're we're way off the mark. And to say this is not a big deal, I can tell you without a doubt, 100 percent, Dave, Ohio State coaches are extremely concerned about this. We're nowhere close to Ryan Day's goal. And Ryan Day wasn't even using it in regards to, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's use this for the purpose of luring high profile high school recruits. Ryan Day's request was just to maintain his own roster. Right. And if you listen to Brian, Brian said that's a major concern right now. And being able to collect talent and being able to maintain talent, that is a two front ward. That's a war on the Eastern front, a war on the Western front, What you see right now where Ryan Day's concern is I just need to maintain the guys that I have on my roster. Because if you look at what some of these other schools collectives have been built up to, they can easily go to my star players and say, I'll give you a million dollars. Well, guess what? Ohio State only has three million total sitting on the books that they can actually help manage their roster. So that's why, you know, a lot of people have been raising the the red flag and the alarms and saying, hey, what's going on here? And that's why you see Gene Smith coming out and throwing out that statement. So in, in your estimation, What's the biggest reason Ohio State's fallen behind? I know there's a lot of factors at play. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. it's not just the big money boosters. Um, they could make the biggest splash, but they're doing other things like building buildings for Ohio State, uh, just minor stuff like that. Um, but is it, you know, big money boosters not stepping in enough? Is it fans not stepping in enough? Not necessarily the fans' fault, but there's not like something that you've suggested. And I know Zach Smith on, on his podcast and Chris have suggested, you know, doing some type of like per month. Um, subscription-based thing where fans just donate $10 a month, and that adds up quickly. If you get 150,000 fans, as you put on Twitter, uh, Buckeye fans, which is really a drop in the bucket when you talk about how many Buckeye fans are out there, that's $18 million right there. Um, so is it fans? Is it big money boosters? Is it something else? Like, what? what's uh, what's the biggest factor here? Well, if you ask Brian, and, you know, he rubs elbows with those big boosters, he said they – the way Ohio State boosters mind frame is, is very old school. I mean, I compare it to, you know, in the day and age when people still listen to cassette tapes and, and uh, hard copy discs, when everybody's moving to the streaming service, you just got to progress with the time. And he said that the big money boosters mind frame cannot get wrapped around contributing to an NIL fund. The second problem that I would say is, we are nowhere close to being organized. I mean, I asked Brian straight up, I go, in order for Ohio State fans to feel comfortable with this, there one, there needs to be transparency from you, the collective Cardell, whoever's running it. People need to know where the money's going, number one. Number two, there needs to be some type of rolling ticker to say, hey, this is how much we've collected thus far. They've been, they've been um, running this for months now, Dave. This is the very first time on the spaces that they actually came out and said, this is how much money we've collected so far. Um, So transparency is key. And two, it's kind of sad to say this, Dave, but we're just kind of just winging it right now. They're just winging it. You, You look at the Spire group down at Tennessee. 
They have full-time W-2 employees that sole purpose is driving this, driving donations. You look at Eddie Rojas, who uh, is a Florida collective CEO. He came on the spaces yesterday. He has a staff um, that is dedicated to this, where they're doing donations and they're picking up the phone and they're calling people and they're just running the ship and maintaining the conversations with the players. You look at Georgia. Georgia has a former Ohio State compliance officer who has a staff and their full-time job is to manage this. What do we have at Ohio State? We have Brian Schottenstein, who is doing this not even part-time. He has a full-time job running the fam- working in the family business. There's no employees there. Uh, so I was actually shocked to hear that. Like, there's really no one working on this. Um, so you definitely need to get the monthly subscription in there. I mean, I know I spent, you know, I'll burn 10, 20 bucks just on junk food or eating out. Or, you know, if it takes me packing a, a sandwich to go to lunch, you know, one day a month just so that I can help, you know, on the con- uh, contribution. I've made my donations to them, but I, I do feel like it would really help the fans just to have a set it and forget it. You know, auto just they they can balance it into their actual budget per month. Um, so that's just some of the, the things I know a lot of fans have thrown ideas out there. One thing I am really proud of about the Spaces Dave coming out of that is they will start having volunteers to help with them, as well as creating internships for uh, people who are looking to, you know, kind of get into this space, who are looking for experience. So I am proud that that Spaces was able to develop that aspect of it. But to be honest, I, I was really floored about how far away they are compared to the SEC and to how unorganized it is to where I don't know what Cardell does on a day-to-day basis. I know, you know, he's a face ambassador. We have a board, you know, that has, you know, 20 people, 15, 20 people. I don't know what they're actually doing, but I do know that, you know, Brian can't do all of this on his own. Yeah. And it's a charity. Like what Brian's doing, as you just articulated, is completely different than what, you know, they're doing, uh, you know, down South. It, are his hands tied from what you understand? Is it Ohio, the Ohio law? Does it have to be a charity? Like, could he, if he wanted to, or if somebody else started another uh, collective, could they run it like, like the, the man that was on, you know, I thought the guy from Florida was really sharp. The guy, I mean, he was really sharp giving advice. I thought that was really, really cool. I, I encourage everybody after you uh, watch or listen to uh, our show right here to get on Twitter and, and, and pull up J books feed J book 37 and listen to his spaces. It was really good. And the Florida guy comes on near the end of the show. Um, so it, are Brian's hands tied here? I don't think, I don't think his hands are tied per se when it comes to Ohio law. I think the 501c charity was more of an incentive to, you know, kind of get people to come in to say, Hey, if you donate, this is also a tax write-off. That was kind of how they wanted to structure it. Um, but as far as people coming in and, and you know, can other outside entities help? They could. The problem where we ran into is Ohio State, the university, the athletic um, department, they have some blame in this too, Dave. And the reason I say that is uh, Brian said this is the first time that the athletic department has actually recognized them right. uh, and actually helped drive it. You know, some, some people had great ideas like, hey, you know, why don't you have QR codes all around the stadium on game days to say, hey, hey, help contribute to the players, help contribute to the NIL. Ohio State has some type of Learfield um, deer contract when it comes to like marketing that Brian said is, is hurting them 
Um, so just trying to get Ohio State to officially recognize him and help push the narrative out there is something that has been a, a major uphill battle. And I say Ohio State is probably to blame for this day because they sure were happy to go to the media uh, this summer and say, hey, look at us. Ohio State athletes have signed over 200 NIL deals. I mean, pretty much they're doing it 20 cents on the dollar compared to what you're looking at in the SEC as far as the actual deals. Like, hey, you you signed 200 deals, but guess what? It's not, it's not anything compared to what you're seeing in the SEC. Our current players, as far as, you know, what the value is, they're severely undervalued at Ohio State right now. And if you want to have a frank conversation compared to what you're seeing in the SEC, even from small, you know, okay SEC teams like Auburn, um, you know, those type of teams, you know, they're they're looking at a $30 million war chest. Auburn alone with that's their commitment to say, hey, this is what we're going to, we're going to raise it. But if you listen to the Florida um, CEO, Dave, I was just blown away about how detail oriented they are, mm-hmm. how you need to do this, this and this in order to see you got to have this infrastructure in place. And if you don't, you're not going to make it. And just, you know, kind of here into where Ohio State, we're just, hey, we're just trying to, you know, keep this thing afloat. But like you said, to start the show, when Gene Smith is sounding alarms, that tells you where it is. And if you listen to Brian, he's one of the most pom-pom waving friend uh, fans out there, even though, you know, he comes from a wealthy family, got the name on the, on the school. You know, you listen to him. He's just like, oh, yeah, we're in the, you know, we're doing great. We got a top five class. And somebody asked him straight up, like, the way things are trending now, what do you see? You know, how do you see uh, the program moving forward? And he said, the bottom line is we're not going to be able to compete. This is going to be a four loss, three loss type of program. The talent that you're seeing going through that door right now, that's going to drop off. It's going to take a major step back because you look at, you know, a high profile you know, defensive player that's going to be committing to the SEC soon without throwing his name out there. Loved Ohio State, wanted to go to Ohio State. If you ask him in his heart, where's his heart at? Ohio State. But he's going to Georgia because he has a $750,000 deal that's on the table that Ohio State can't even come close to competing with. So those are the type of the things that you're looking at, Dave. Uh, you know, a couple, three years ago before NIL, you had five to seven five stars on the roster. Now you have one. And it was a question if, if he's even going to sign come December. So you're starting to see it. The coaches are concerned. Uh, you know, I asked Jeremy Birmingham straight up, like, how is this weighing on Ryan Day? And Berm told me, you know, in a private conversation that it's taking its toll on him. You know, the, the fear is that you're going to have this whole NIL and transfer portal. It's, the fear is that it's going to drive out good coaches who are in it for the right purpose, which is to develop young men and develop, you know, high level football players with all of the nonsense that they have to deal with. Ryan Day feels like he is going into the South to try to get some of these kids, but he's shooting at dragons with a Nerf gun. Like that's, that's kind of how they feel because once a kid goes in there and say, Hey, this is what I have on the table. Ohio State's walking out the living room because we cannot compete with what is happening in the South. And that's the bottom line. And if you listen to, you know, other beat reporters who've covered the beat, they talk to the recruits. And that's a story that's out there right now. And is Ohio State just doesn't have the cash. 
So this leads into my next question. I think you kind of answered it. I mean, can this be rectified in a relatively short period of time? Or do you feel like Ohio State is screwed in the near future? No, it, it can definitely be rectified. Um, you know, you look at the situation right now, Dave, you still have the largest fan base. They just have to get organized. You need to weaponize the fan base. You can't rely on uh, major businesses consistently writing six-figure checks. You can't always go for the home run. This needs to be a grassroots type of operation to where, hey, if I want to contribute $10 um, because I'm going to pack my lunch one day a month and take that $10 and donate it you know, to the NIL collective, I need to be able to set it, forget it, auto ACH, boom, there you go. You can do it because Ohio State has the largest fan base in all of college football. Mm -hmm. They just have to get organized. They need Gene Smith. They need the athletic department to be able to help um, do that. That would go a long way. So I just think that, yes, they're behind now, uh, but I see the potential to, to really get there. I don't know if they'll ever catch the SEC. And you and I talked about this, Dave. Like, you don't need to go tip for tap with the SEC. No one's saying – go all Texas A&M, go all, you know, Florida or something when it comes to, hey, we're going to be paying $20 million to recruits coming in. That's not what Ohio State wants to do. They will never do that. Their approach is let's target and be uh, more of a sniper approach. If we have a five-star defensive end that's right there across the finish line and it's going to take a little bit to get them through the door, we should be able to do that. But they can't. So it's not necessarily saying, hey, let's go and spend $20 million on kids. It's no, we just need to be able to have the resources. So when we identify a high profile talent, we can go ahead and use what we have to push them through the door and close the deal. You just can't. As we're heading into a 12 team playoff, Dave, the objective is to accumulate and stack as much talent as possible with USC UCLA coming over to the Big Ten with Luke Bickle at Wisconsin. There's a lot of reports that Dan Mullen may be the new Purdue coach. You look at Matt Rule at, at Nebraska. Jim Harbaugh has that role. And Penn State is going to be loaded the next several years with all of those freshmen that played for them. The Big Ten is not getting any easier. So if you're Ohio State, in order to be able to stay the dominant force in the Big Ten and in the region, you got to be able to accumulate talent. You cannot lose them to the SEC because you can't get in the ball game because your NIL collective is, you know, one third, not even at a tenth of what the uh, the SEC is working with right now. How about Jermaine Matthews? Sounds like from all accounts. Now we don't know for sure, but I, I would I would bet a lot of money that uh, that Jermaine's Matthews turned down a lot of money to come to yep. Ohio State and bet on himself and. Um, Kudos to him. I, I think he's, you know, he's obviously highly rated. I think he might even be a little bit underrated. He, he's fantastic. And there was a lot of smoke that uh, Miami was going to buy him. Um, and exactly what you're saying, Ohio State's not just behind. They're like 10 times behind uh, the war chest of some of these other programs. So, hey, you know, kudos to, to uh, Jermaine Matthews. He's re reaffirmed his commitment to Ohio State as he put on Twitter. Get into that a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was a big, uh, big time Commitment, well, I mean, he's already been committed, but uh, reaffirming his commitment because everyone, you know, was a little concerned that Miami was going to make a play here. They supposedly had an in-home with him this week. Um, John Ruiz, the mega booster at Miami, he's out there putting out offers that, you know, is making kids have to think twice about their commitments. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, Matthews had probably a six-figure deal that was on the table to probably flip to Miami. And, you know, it's uh, it, it's a position of need, Dave. You you have to, one, keep your major in-state talent at home, uh, especially a committed one. And, two, we're so thin at the defensive back position. Um, just maybe keeping the three guys that we have as far as the three uh, cornerback commitments, that's critical because the way in today's game is with the passing and the offensive structures, you cannot have the lack of depth going forward if you want to win it all like we saw this year. I mean, we were down to, in the summertime, a third-string a third string kicker repping that cornerback because at a place like Ohio State, you didn't have enough bodies. So it's important to keep all of those defensive backs in the class. All right, we got to talk Buckeyes and Dogs. Semifinals, New Year's Eve. What are your thoughts on this matchup? I mean, I feel like Ohio State as an underdog is very dangerous if they're mentally locked in. Because I think a lot of guys, rightfully so, thought the season was over. Certain guys were going to opt out of the bowl game. Can they get mentally locked back in? If they can, Ohio State's dangerous. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it it, it depends. on You know, I, I think about the old phrase that Urban Meyer said his very first year, <clears throat> excuse me, when he, Oh, the team went on the road to Michigan State. He said they opened their heart. That's where Ohio State needs to be at right now. When they head down there to the Peach Bowl, will this team open their heart? Will they show that fire? Will they be ready to compete at the highest level? Because if they are not ready, Dave, it will get ugly because this Georgia team, they're going to come in nasty. They're going to come in fast. They're going to come in physical and intense. And it's going to be up to Ohio State to match them in each category. So if this team is not ready to go, and I tend, I tend to think that they will, Dave. It's a, like Ryan Day said, it's a second, you know, leaf on life. You you thought you were done, and boom, you're back in it. Yeah, you got to go into the heart of the South to try to pull it out. But if you're a competitor and you love to play at a high level, this is why you come to Ohio State. The lights are the brightest right here. This is an opportunity to see how you measure up against the best in college football right now. Will CJ have that lion in his eyes? Will that will that um, Ryan Day get back to that cutthroat Ryan Day that took it to Clemson, that took it to Wisconsin when it came to his play calling? The the team will follow how Ryan Day motivates them. The team will follow how their leader CJ Stroud performs on the field. If CJ is dialed in and he's showing that that fire in his eye, they will follow suit. Like I said in his spaces, Marvin Harrison Jr. said after the Northwestern game, when C.J. used his legs to pick up the first down, when C.J. decided to run the ball and they were calling his number, that gave a serious juice to the team, according to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like that really fired up the team to say, hey, I'm ready to run through a brick wall for this guy. So can we get something like that to where let's let's go down there and master intensity because Here's the thing, Dave. Emotions are going to be flying high in that first quarter. Georgia, they start fast. They're going to try to come out and punch you in the mouth to see how tough you are out the gates. Can Ohio State withstand that flurry of punches that they're going to get from Georgia? If they can, we get into the third. We get into the fourth. All bets are off because Georgia has dominated, you know, most part, a lot of these teams as the late third quarter and the fourth quarter starts. They've played some close teams early on, but once they start wearing you down, that's when they start pulling away. If Ohio State is punching back late, then I will be curious to see what Georgia thinks. Like, oh, they're not soft. 
oh, these boys took our best punch, and they're still standing there in the paint. Great stuff from Jonah Booker, as always. Now you guys can go uh, re-listen to uh, his spaces from yesterday. Get on his Twitter feed, at jbook37. Great stuff from Jonah Booker. Really appreciate it, my man. Thanks to all the listeners and viewers out there. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. (laughs) 